My name is Brian Hasbrook. Today is June 26th, 2015. We are sitting with Rokia Abdurrahman, Zanab Abdurrahman, and Huda Abdurrahman Nott uh, for the Brooklyn Public Library's Oral History Project, focusing on East New York. Uh, thank you for joining me. And why don't you tell me a little bit about where you're from? Well, I lived in... Uh East New York, uh, <clears throat> Bed-Stuy. Um, I went to school while I was in Bed-Stuy. And um, then after I was married, I mo we moved out here. We bought the house here. And that was in 1960. 59. No, 19... November of 1969. 69? November of 59. I was born in 1958. What year were you born, Hoda? 1958. 58. 60. Nine. You was a year and a half. Mm -hmm. 59. Okay. Okay. And um, when we came out here, the neighborhood was a, what you'd consider a mixed neighborhood. But the uh, the real estate people were getting the whites out as fast as they could, selling the houses as fast as they could. And um, it was a strange thing because several of our neighbors I knew already before I came out here. Um, there's a neighbor down the street a young man down the street, his mother and father bought the house, their house here. And um, then there was Miss Green at uh, 158. And then after they finished 158, they were transferred to 1202. 102. 102. One, no, to 202. Oh, 202, yes, right. To 202. 64. And then they went, all went in different directions. Bobby went to Thomas Jefferson. And the girls went to um, Midwood High. And uh, Huda went to uh, Erasmus. And Rakia went to Midwood High. Well, one of the things I remember was after um, after the the neighborhood started making a big change. Uh, we used to have a nice supermarket, a market, not supermarket, but fresh vegetables and meat and and cheese and butter and dairy, dairy, they go with. And um, it was nice. And then all of a sudden, they closed for one of their holidays and they never came back. That's how they left. They didn't say anything. So a couple of times, I was shopping in a Jewish neighborhood and I, there was a butcher there. 
and I found him in that butcher shop there. But there was definitely a big change in, in, in this area between Blake Avenue, the Blake Avenue Market, and then um, New Lots Avenue. The stores changed there too. They used to be an A and P. A and P is similar to a uh, small version of it was at that time it was a big supermarket they had their own brands and everything like that and that that also left so the only thing that's left now that I can remember is Lawrence's drugstore but he's no longer here he sold it out Lawrence's drugstore was father and son, and then he sold it out to someone else, which is not too far from the library. <laughs> oh, let's see. I don't know. What do you remember being different from Bed Bedford Stuyves and, and East mm -hmm. New York? Were there any major changes that you noticed between the two neighborhoods? Now, I see, I. I was in, in a nursing home, and I, I just saw that when I came home. I didn't know it, that, that it had been done. Which changes? What changes? Up on Blake Avenue. Hmm? Which changes? Huh? Which changes? He was saying, what is the difference between living here and when we lived in Bed-Stuy? Oh, it's it's well. I was in Bed Stuy too when when I moved into Bed Stuy. There was whites there too, and the real estate was busy selling the houses to to the African Americans. So that that was a big change too, but the area itself basically didn't change too much except. Like Gates Avenue, Lexington Avenue, all the rest of the blocks stayed nice. Um, to piggyback on my mother was Blake Market. Blake Market is where you could buy anything, literally from soup to nuts, clothing, stockings, um, fish. Fish. Uh, when we were talking about this interview some time ago, we started trying to remember where the stores were. And on the corner, right here on the corner, was Fellas Dairy. And there you could get cheese, all kinds, you name the cheese. Eggs, they used to candle the eggs in the back. And that's where we first learned about candling. They would show us, um, they would take us in the back and show us how to. The cheese wasn't like now, we sliced it on the machine. It was a block of cheese. So they had to cut it and then wrap it in the nice wax papers. Like those are the things I remember the, the cheese being cut and folded a certain way and wrapped up and then going into another bag. And so to see now, like with the, the, the cheese in the bags, I don't remember that as a child really. Package like pre-packaged. Um, everything was, everything fresh. was fresh. 
fresh and the bagels, oh. the rolls were hot, literally yeah, hot. Wow. You could almost wow. still walk down the block, bring them home, cut it open and spread that butter and it would still melt. That's not an exaggeration. That's how hot and fresh the rolls were. Next clothing, to the yeah, the clothing at the toy stores, like a little, little novelty store. store. Novelty store. Yeah, yeah. Novelty store. And they specialize, like one specialized in toys. Next to Fellas was the um, was a, a a meat market, and at that particular meat market is where they had all the cold cuts, the, the um, corned beef, pastrami, tongue, Frank's, Knockbush, everything. And then uh, next to that, it was a little novelty store, and she sold. Um, they have a lot of things. But she sold um, like crocheting and knitting. I don't remember all the stores, but at the other end of Elton and Blake was the other butcher. And people laugh at me now because like we use the word butcher. And like, what what's a butcher? But that's what we used to call them butcher. And that was Sapistine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh? Was that Sapistine's at the, the butcher all the way at the end of Elton? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And but, don't forget the laundry. No, the, well, the laundry was on this side. It was Blake on Gaston our block. Laundry, yeah. yeah. That was on our side. Yeah. But going into Sapistine, talking about culture, initially, when we first moved into the community, uh, they used to say that we were cousins. The Muslims and the the um, Jewish community were cousins because of the the the, I guess, close proximity and the the belief in terms of how we ate. So when we would go into the store, it began to change as the community started changing. Initially, you could go in and they, they knew my mother and they would say, okay, this is what she needs and whatever, and they would go to the back. But as the community changed, the meat quality changed. So the hamburger, they had hamburger in the front, and then they had the hamburger ground meat in the back. So when we would come in a couple of times, and as children, you don't put it together. But when we, let's say, go to the store to get some ground beef, they would always say, no, 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 not that one. The one in the back, ours. And as we got older, it baffled me how people could hear that and not hear that in terms of, how come you're giving her special meat and we're getting this meat here? So I think one was, which which we know now later on, one was a little more lean, one had, I guess, a little more fat or whatever. Um, that's that's basically, and then what, on this side of the street, see now me being five years younger than her, I didn't know that about the meat. I always thought it was the norm when you go and you ask for the meat to be ground up. So, you understand mm-hmm. where somebody else was, like you're saying your your time or your memory was of it, the difference of them, this meat and that meat. I always thought everybody's meat was ground up fresh, so they put it in that machine and you watch it come through the through those yeah. holes, you know? <laughs> it was like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot of things that you just don't realize mm-hmm. the differences, but... um. As far as the neighborhood itself, it was a it was a pleasure to to, to live here. Yeah. It was a pleasure to live here 
it was a pleasure to work here. We, we, um, our parents were the kind that you could go outside, but you had to stay in front of the door. Or you had to stay on the block, but everybody on the block was on the block. So you didn't, you know, it didn't matter to us. And we always had like a house full of kids here or a house full in front of the door. And, you know, we played things like um, hopscotch, hot peas and butter, um, tango seat. Things that some of these children like never green know. Light. Red light, green light. And these jump rope, you know, these I mean, all night, all day. Hours, hours, hours. Roller skate up and down the block, you know. So we had a lot of fun. We didn't have to worry mm-hmm. about um, bullets, dodging bullets. You know, our biggest thing was maybe watch the cars. Well, we couldn't cross the street. We had a corner store on a corner. Mm-hmm. What they call bodega now, but we would just call it the Spanish store. Right across the street from here, but we were not allowed to go across the street. So for me, I would pay Shirley or somebody to go to cross the street and buy me some gum. When they would go to the store, I'm like, can you buy me something, you know? So like those are things that I remember. But now that we look back, I don't So you don't remember the candy store around the corner? Yeah. Jose's or somebody. No, on this side where the church is was a candy store. What'd you want? The candy store on Ashford and on and Ashford Dumont and, and, and Dumont, where the church is. Yeah, that yeah. was a candy yeah. store. Where the where the parking lot for the church. Yeah, that was the candy store, and directly across from store, there yes. was another bodega. I remember that one. And then there was uh, one here, but it was an Italian woman that had it first. And I think her husband died. She kept it for a little while. And then um, after she left, they turned it into an apartment. Mm. And there was one on the corner of Elton and Dumont. And what else? There was a fish market, a fresh fish market, right here on the corner, Cleveland. Across from that was uh, Blake Laundry. And And they took in laundry from... I forgot what is it? Levy Dairy, the dairy. Yeah, the dairy. Yes. The butter, cheese. Yeah. Mm. And where Shell lives, around the corner, there was a home. Where right. all, there's, For a, there's a lot of new houses there now, but they used to be orphanage. For children. Yes. When Elton. Yeah, and they wanted to turn the house, turn the house into for the homeless, and the community got together. And told them no, they couldn't bring them in the neighborhood because it's only bringing the neighborhood down. And totally, they, they, they could not bring them into the neighborhood because it would bring all everybody, and it wasn't good for the neighborhood. And then we we fought for new schools. The school, um, one seventy-seven. Which say it again. One seventy-seven for what? This new school. Oh, who's in the Gershwin? No. Well, seventy-two. Gershwin, too. Seventy-two, right here. Oh, seventy-two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seventy-two. Yeah. Yeah. We marched for that march that went on in East New York. You can get a mother from that. They marched. We marched for. Against Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah had the houses. 
And what they were doing is they were telling the people that um, they would it would be cheaper, cheap, if they sold the house. And what happened was a lot of people really lost out. They didn't. They never got the money, and then they left. Of course, some of them just died. You know, from this whole thing. It just upset them so badly. But we marched on that. Went to court on that. So, uh, it, also in terms of moving, some of our neighbors um, across the street. Let me see. He was. It was the writer that used to come home. Every summer, and just really, he would type, but he would sit in the in the uh, in the window in his underwear. But he would just he would be typing, you know. That was his routine. But he was a writer. Next to him was the lawyer, the doctor. The, okay, lawyer on one side, the doctor on the other side. But the the short of it is sometimes in traveling and moving around the city, if we met them, they would say how sorry they were when they that they had moved because they thought they moved and it was going to be better and it really wasn't as bad as as i guess as they anticipated when they moved from east new york when they moved to another east, neighborhood yes to another neighborhood yeah what were the reasons that they gave for leaving it was uh, the community was becoming more black so they were leaving and selling their houses as my mother said earlier Quickly, but again, for whatever, it, it, it was a, like my sister said. We had we had fun. It was respectful. They respected us. We respected them. We lived well together. If something happened, we took care of each other. And uh, it was a, your traditional, you know, your neighbor watched the child. Yeah, like like you're your people. Okay, we, we all work for the school system. I'm a parent coordinator. And I would listen to people that come from other countries and talk about, like, back home children don't do this and that what children do here in America. And I find myself def- defending us and saying, we did the same things. Our parents did the same thing. You watch that child's neighbor, that neighbor knew, you know, that parent could say to me, hood up, get out the street and not get worried about getting shot in your head now. You understand? Or getting cursed we out all, by the child. We were all raised the same, same exact, you know what I'm saying? Everybody looked out for each other. Um, the respect was there. But naturally, like everything else, I don't think it matters what neighborhood you're in. You're going to have rude people. You're going to have people that don't care. You understand? So uh, I just remember that, you know, mm-hmm. where, like you're saying, everyone looked out for each other. Like you could go out. When you come home, I remember the neighbor saying, oh, it was a man at your house with a black tie on and a blue, like describing you to the T. Made shorts, he had sneakers on. Yes. He came about four o'clock. Oh, okay, thank you, you know, Miss Grant or whoever it was. But because you were looking out for each other, you know, it wasn't even a matter of being nosy. It was just you knew so and so was home or somebody was not home. You know, where now it's and like so many times we left our bikes outside mm-hmm. and we left out not that and big, we left even initially. Now. For a few years, we left the front door unlocked. That front door wasn't locked. No, it wasn't. Um, what? The front, the front door, door on the porch. We used to live next porch. door. My mother, we were raised next door. Okay. This house was abandoned. 
Miss Applebaum. Well, not for long. Miss Applebaum was here first. And we had neighbors that we used to play with next door that, you know, here. And then it became abandoned when, the, you know, things started getting a little rough. Not rough, but whatever. Um, and then I think only you, Abu, huh? the house was up for auction. And they, were, they, they got it. They bid on it. And it was empty for a long time, a long time. My husband and I were living in Star City then. And then um, over the years, I think that's when my father and my mother told me, they, you know, we should come back. And so we came back, and it took time, but we, you know, a little bit of time. Because this building, this building was abandoned. When I say abandoned, you couldn't, you could see up to the sky. Mm-hmm. There was no bricks on this wall, no floor, you know. I mean, it now right after years, had, we need to do it. It had been that over, long that the houses had been abandoned. Yeah. And that was the issue when Nehemiah came in. It, the few people that were left behind were the caretakers of the community. So if the lot got filled in, or paper weak, you know, we'd have a cleanup day. And everybody would come and clean up, even though it was abandoned, and make sure... I do too. I, I didn't think about I have pictures that. of I have my husband, Ali, Leonard, and somebody else cleaning next door's lot. The house next door. Because yeah. my husband lived, used to live on this block. Across the street, at the other end of the block. And so we, we had five brothers. But, and three of us. But we never paid each other attention to, to them like that. Until um, my girlfriend told me about my husband. You know, he's a nice guy. He's quiet. He's like you, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, we met. We became friends. But my mother was teaching in one of the elementary schools in the neighborhood. So his brothers went to her school. She taught some of his brothers and friends. And one of them, I think it was Bo, Bo told my mother that I was Ali's boyfriend. Oliver's boyfriend. I mean, girlfriend. She came home and she said, what's this out here? You have a boyfriend? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Make a long story short, Ali would come up and visit me, sit on the stoop. That's all we did was sit on the stoop, play jacks, play puzzles, play pick up sticks. You'd have to know my father. My father was the what what the, the, the knight over his realm of daughters <laughs> and and wife. So there was no boyfriend or girlfriend. Whatever happened happened in groups. In fact, his dream, or I should say their dream, was to have this first floor. And it was for and a few was. years. It we was for it. a few years as a cultural center. This year was a cultural center. And it was he called it Ethnomode's Folkloric Workshop. Yes. And they had um, mu- uh, chalk talks. My father called them chalk talks. Which was he would sketch pictures and as and talk about the Caribbean and about Africa's uh, impact on the United States in a historical view. But he made it fun for kids. So when they came, he did things at the library also. Yeah, yeah we, we did, did stuff at yes. the library right there. Right that behind library. you, right we'll behind you, we'll show you some pictures. Yeah, where we we took uh, New yes. Library. Yeah, downstairs where they meet. We used to do fashion shows down there, cultural fashion shows. This family did cultural fashion shows right there in the library. They yeah. had um, what they called um, uh, 
it was my mother's was called um, Rakia's Entourage. And what it was, it was really a, a fashion show, but it was a fashion show of mm-hmm. traditional and history, modern. And um, she always had like a, a, the end would be like a flare of African clothing. And it was developed through uh, their trips to back and forth to West Africa. They, when your first trip was in 72, mm-hmm. your first trip to Africa, 72, 72 yeah. it was in 1972. And then they went from 1972 to like the next 20 years, every summer, they would go for a few weeks and, uh, and, and travel around. Both my mother and father were educated and they weren't interested in the Hilton. So they would stay at the university and they would stay at these things that made it cheaper to travel back and forth. And as a result, my mom would bring back, you can see some, uh, well, probably in the picture, a lot of the stuff. But the, the work that you see is my father's artwork because he was also, he was a accomplished jazz musician. In fact, he wrote a book. I'm going to get the book. Okay, and it's a historical book on the jazz musicians of Brooklyn. And then he was a artist. So the book that you're holding now, he wrote, illustrated, drew the pictures, put it together, and had it printed himself. So he would go and find the printer and he would type you know, so uh, again, and this was the other one. This was the same one. Oh, there's, there's another one. No, I have, I have to Okay. And he, and both my mother and father would have these shows to engage the audience. And he would play the music. He would play the um, drums and the different reeds and the different musical instruments. And then he would talk and explain the connection. So some of these instruments, he would show how it would be connected to the violin and, 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 or the drum beats and how this, it's, it wasn't just banging on the drum. There were particular patterns and, or, um, different cultures might've had like, like now you hear reggae or you hear salsa or you hear, but within the African tradition, there were different types, different stages, different drumming for different occasions. So he, studied and and participated in in all of that and as a result my mother used to sew so she started bringing some of the clothing clothing in and also sewing and making all of these outfits and these fashion shows a short version would be let's say at the library we were at eastern parkway we went to a number of colleges the museum we went to the museum museum of natural history museum brooklyn museum um, Muse, the Muse Museum. Muse, yeah, I think it was Muse. Downtown, downtown. Down I think it's called Muse. Isn't it the Muse, Umi? Mm-hmm. The Muse. I think. It, One I of know. The museums. It, I, I museum, think it yeah. has turned. Is 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 that where the Children's Brooklyn Museum yeah. is now? It's what used to be before the what, you mean Ch- like Brooklyn they, Children's they, Museum. They, no, that was at that was at the Brooklyn Museum. Brooklyn Victor, Museum. Um, uh, Victor, Miss Victor, Victor yeah. Charlene, Charlene, Charlene Victor. Victor yeah. She was with Baca. We used to perform with Baca. It was Brooklyn, 
Brooklyn Arts Cultural Association. It was connected to the Brooklyn Museum. Right. And we used to do shows for them as well as in the summer, my parents volunteered us all the time to be um, what we would do trees, elephants, flowers. We would read stories, costumes, and we would bring the stories to life. Yes. So that's that was our summer, where most kids were outside jumping rope. We were in Prospect Park, acting like trees (laughs) in the moon. But now, that was the yeah, that was one of the books. And then we did Dr. Seuss. You remember the green pants? She made the the green pants that would come over your head and, and. it had like armholes, but you could still see. We ran around, and I can't remember which Dr. Seuss book. It was a number of books. But anyway, it was good. And now, you know, it just, it was fun. It wasn't, initially, it wasn't fun and because all your friends are hanging out. But it gave us the exposure that most children didn't get. And, and the ability to really tap into other cultures Tap into the communities okay. around, you know, around uh, our surrounding area because we did also did fashion shows in print. We went to the prisons and did for for, for some of the prisons. Uh, we did it in the tri-state area. We didn't stay just in New York. We did some in Jersey. Uh, Jersey too. Um, what else? No, what I was going to say was we, we, there were times when none of our friends or whatever were there, but then as we got older, we started including in family and mm-hmm. friends with our shows. Yes. So that's what the show really, the participants were basically family because your friends are your extended family, you know, so we did bring it and share it with others. So now when they sit and talk, they're talking the same thing we're speaking about, mm-hmm. you know, and our children are. Because, of course, we had to drag our children once we became married and had children to the same. They went through the same thing. You know, it was like, oh, we got another fashion show. Yes. But they don't regret it now because um, my daughter's a teacher also. And we've done shows in her school. Or when we not able to do a show, now she can do a show. She narrates it and, you know, does the history. So. Uh, Ali, our sons, Idris, all of them participated, and they have that, you know, culture behind them and able to talk the history. Um, well, Ali's an athlete. He's at my son's athlete trainer. But that's still stuff that they'll always remember. Even when he's talking to his mm-hmm. his clients, you know, he passes that on to them. Because when I meet them, they go, oh, you're, you know, I've heard so much about you. And I go, Is it good? what did you hear? You know. <laughs> But um, so it, whatever my our parents put in us, we put in our children is just going to continue with our brands right. and everybody. So right. it's all good. And, and with the fashion shows, they would last without exaggeration about three hours, three hours of nonstop. And while my aunt would help at, at one at another point, help my mother, and they would sew and collaborate and come up with these ideas and. The, the, the first part of the show was traditional. Mm. And then through the traditional, my mother and father would explain uh, 
what initially might have sound now it's like oh yeah we know where Ghana is oh okay and Togoland oh okay or the xylophone or the, before when, when my father and my mother started no one knew anything so it was really a, a great introduction a fun way and a way that people walked away with pride and I think that was one of the best feelings we we danced we did a lot of the traditional African dances, and within that, then my mother would explain what the you know what the audience was seeing. So people, I'm telling everybody, we had all cultures. Everybody came, and it, it was fun. It was fun. We we what? had this, the middle part was my mother would make call modern. So she would have let's say do an African dress with with a skirt. And uh, um, a bada, which is like the big top, but underneath it might have been a street length dress. So when you take off the skirt and you take off the abada, you had the street length skirt that matched the outfit. Mm. So, and that was pre all of this now. All of that, I'm telling you, was in the early 60s, 60s early 60s. And uh, she also she designed wedding dresses and she would do do all the sewing and then she did she designed and baked wedding cakes so when they went to africa uh actually my girlfriend um, lisa she's passed now but she lived in the community cheryl's sister cheryl's sister, cheryl's sister. Oh my god my sister she encouraged me to make a cake and I, I can't, oh, I can't make, she, oh, yes, you can. You can make this cake. I need, I'm getting married and I, I want you to make this cake. So she's the one who got me started actually baking these huge and designing these wedding cakes. So through that, when my mother came home and, or she went away in the summer People say, well, your mother's not here. Well, you bake, you bake it. So that's how I started baking. And then my sister would help me to do the designing so that she got into the designing part. So that if you needed the little um, favors. favors and all Set that. Pieces. So yes. it just became a family, a family affair. It really became. And we're still doing that. So um, that I, I'm trying to think what else. How can we fit 50 years in? <laughs> 50 years and 50 minutes. Okay, talk really quick and then we're going to see what happens. No. Um, well, the Lions Club. Yes. Oh, yeah. You got to talk about the Lions. We will. She, she, she had the first Leo Club? The Cup. The Cubs. Cubs. The Lions. Cubs. You know, Lions International. My mother was a member. And of course, like Zainab said, we would have to, not have to, we would go to some of the events. But I kind of stuck with it every event they had, and then eventually I became a member of the Lions. So with becoming a member of the Lions, we had what they call the Leos, which are the youth of the Lions. But then I started um, with what I called the Cubs, because the Cubs were the like brother, nine the years young, old. Yeah, I got younger brother and sister of the Leos. As a matter of fact, right here in this room, the first meeting I had, I invited... 25 parents and, and their children. And it was a blizzard. And everybody told me, they're not going to come. not going to show up. This room was filled that blizzard night. 
And that's what started my Leo's Club in East New York. And what did we do? We did um, went to the hospital. We visited the sick. We fed the poor. Um, we, we fed the shelters, the homeless. We did collections to give out, you know, to the need. Anything less unfortunate than ourselves is that was our goal to help. Um, yeah. And this went on for years because we had I um had the kids in it. My kids, everybody's kids, you know, in the neighborhood was a part of it. But uh, that was that was very rewarding too. What she's, because what she's leaving out, there were no Cubs. They weren't Leo <clears throat> Leo Cubs. She started the Leo Cubs to extend for the younger children that were not old enough to be in the Leos. Mm-hmm. Right. And so from there, it was like 15 to 25 little ones. Little ones. Mm-hmm. So whenever the Nuots Lions Club had a program, these little cubs, these little kids would come in with their little, you know, vests, vests and things. And it was just, mm. it was awesome. It was awesome. We did skits, skits on things that were going on in that time. Like, uh, we did a gang skit. We did a skit of, um, oh, somebody didn't want to join the, the club because that was corny. So they had to, like, entice that child and show them, no, we do a good stuff. We do this for the community, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, at the end, the, the child says, okay, I want to join. You know, it was like um, our way to motivate people to, to come into it. But, um, yeah, it was it was good. Good times. Very good times. And um, I think I'm going to give you also DaCosta's name, DaCosta Headley, because he was the impact in the community also. You heard about mm-hmm. him? Okay. He started... Um, a youth positive thinking cause of positive thinking. Yes, yes. And and how it happened is interesting. When he started, of course, he was very young, and my father designed his logo. And as a result, yes, yeah, the Costa. And as a result, the family again, it's just the family started connecting, and it's been a connection since then. Been, and even when I was, I was in. I was in college. Yeah, I was in a college and I needed a job. And he had a, a center. And I became a um a counselor at the center. And he always said, Oh, you know, we gotta stick together. We gotta do this. We gotta do this. He puts his calls and be careful. She's loving, but she gets a little excited. <laughs> But so the whole family is uh, involved in education. Yes. Uh, what What do you think uh, the, the motivation is for that? What What Where does the dedication to such a selfless profession come from? Watching her and my father being around them. I mean, it was so interesting that there was a student that was. Um, really troubled in school, a real troubled child. And my mother, she would only listen to my mother. And before I know, we knew it, Janice's mother was dead. She did not have parents. She lived with older she sister. Away, yeah. Before we knew it, Janice was living with us. My mother had taken Janice in, living with us, just fell into the family. 
and and this went on for years, you know, and Janice turned around. So what I watched that and then I remember one day I used to go to 202 and this girl was bullying me. And I came home and I told Janice, Janice, this is girl in my school. She keeps telling me I need to give her money at the end of the day. And if I don't give it to her, she's going to beat me up. She said, yeah, well, I'm coming up to the school. I'm going to follow you, but we're not going to walk together. I said, okay. She met me at 202. We walked down Berriman. And this particular girl did what she, you know, would bully me. And guess what? It was Janice's sister. What? It was Janice's sister. Well, Janice went crazy. And she was like, like she, she could not believe that, you know, like, I'm living with this family and this is the family you, you know. And that helped turn her sister around a little too. Because her sister would have been bullying everybody continuously. Mm-hmm. But Janice did what she had to do to her sister. Took care of her sister. And when she, whatever they finished, whatever, Janice came home. Came home with us. You know, that night came home. But I think watching our parents the dedication they had is just changing people's lives. And I think we just all wanted to continue that, you know, and I watched my sisters and like I said, I'm the youngest and I, and I, and I was involved and I could see how much they really cared. You know, I didn't go into teaching. I went to school, partially was teaching and then I, I stopped. Like that's not what I want. I did more counseling. I enjoyed that, you know, counseling and helping people in a different way. So I went another avenue, but it's still educational, you know. So we all had our own specialties. Mm. That's that's how you would say it. Because yeah. that's how I got you into know, special ed. Um, in order to encourage the children to, to come to the library, you, you have to do something kind of special that that's in mm. their groove. Mm. But uh, then you have to sort of push it in the schools with the PTAs yeah. and everything. Uh, what is those parent for parent coordinators? And so that the children will want to come. And then you expose them to Because the, I think some children don't even know what a like They know the word library, but... They don't even know what's inside the library. And that's what I think you need to do. Because, and not only them, maybe a program, something for the adults once a year, once a month. Because um, some of the, you you have to remember, these children are with their parents. But their parents, if they don't know, they don't know to help them. They don't know how to help them. And so that you have to reach out to that, I think. Reach out to the parents, to the fathers and the mothers. And I think that's a connection that's not that is that's that is a disconnect in the public schools. Um, I went to school, trained as a teacher, and was disillusioned uh, I, during my my student teaching. Because I listened to the teachers and they were just sitting up in that that teacher's room. They were just so negative. And this kid was this kid and that kid this one and this parent that one. And his father didn't care that I left. That even after I graduated, 
I didn't go straight into teaching. I started doing research. And literally, I came home and my father was coming up the block and we stood in front of the neighbor's house and talked. And he said to me, you have to, you have to teach. And I was like, no, no, and he says, yes. And he says, and you have to go into special ed. It was my father that talked me into special ed. Mm. And I was like, no, he says, they need you and you would be very good at it. So, um, I did. He knew what he was saying. I'm telling you, I went into special ed and the very first year I taught at PS219, which is really not too far. It was over where the Round Bank used to be. East New York Savings Bank, that Round Bank, right up the block, PS219. And the first year, my first few days, uh, they took the special ed and they moved us. They Our rooms were up on the fourth floor. They moved us totally away from all the other students. And they um, totally isolated us. You, you people. And even when we would go upstairs, they, uh, you all take, take your kids first. That's how they spoke. Mm. And I remember the first week they gave us no supplies. I literally walked around and the, the fourth floor hadn't been used in years. And they opened up one wing of the school. And I walked around and threw out all the old classes and picked up chalk and paper and books and dictionaries and all things that would have been discarded and brought them to my room. But I was blessed with a good parent. And she really helped helped me navigate. And initially, I think it was like, if you could keep the crazies in the class, then you were a good teacher. Mm. That was the consensus. But when they came upstairs, I remember the principal saying to me, um, you have better control over your kids and you're supposed to have the, like the, the special ed. And he said, and downstairs, they're wild. Because he came in and my kids were working. You know, we worked. If, if it was fun, if let's say in June, we played Monopoly, but Monopoly was to count the money. How do you count? What do you, you know, read this card? Because, I had, of course, you had students that couldn't read, but this encouraged them to read. Okay, let's find the words that you do know. Let's go around the board. Now, if you go around, how many? So we made it fun, and, and Nadine was just wonderful, and she really supported me. You Be know. very professional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and she supported me in the class. But initially, it was special ed. So all these new laws and different things of trying to include special ed. I get it. I get it. Because for so many years, we were isolated. And then, again, being my parents, we put, I put on productions at school with my kids. Because then when they walked down the hall, they would, oh, you are so, oh, you, so it gave them a different kind of notoriety as opposed to a colleague saying to me, Zainab, he, and hold the kid's hand up, like, you know, he's going to be yours. 
Don't, he's he's gonna be yeah he's gonna be yours and i say that's okay send him and they were like one or two kids teachers that we could i could send my children to that knew how to talk to them that knew how to encourage them so often when children say to you she doesn't like me he doesn't like me they know exactly what they're saying yes, they do. but they haven't um they haven't been, they don't know how to really articulate exactly. So if you say, well, what is she doing to you? They can't say, well, she's doing this or she held my hand up like it stinks. Mm. But the child knows if you hold something up like that, that's not love. That's not showing any compassion. So our kids, it was hard initially, but we built a strong unit. And there were four other teachers that were like me and we were awesome. We were awesome. And I thank my father for talking me into getting into special ed and, and my mother supporting because if I needed something made or if we needed something done, it was done. It was done. So part one. Is there anything else uh, you guys would like to include? I know that we're running short on time. Um, we, we're missing here. Yeah, I just want to say my oldest sister, Rakia, she's not here, but she used she she's like the the health person in 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 in, in this. She is a um, rachiologist, but she always was able to work with children. She also was was a teacher. She's retired now. But in terms of how to get students nutritionally, she would inform us, you know, okay, get the, the long before they were taking sugar and dyes and those kinds of things. She was doing that in her class. She had a program here, right here in this room. It was called a respite program where parents that had children with handicaps and behavior issues would bring them here and then... Uh, trained workers would like do crafts with them, massages with them. Like the rest, it was a respite time for the parents to leave and go and come back. So we used to have sessions right in here for them. Um, for for like you're saying, like with the different areas that repair was good, you know. New. Um, I forgot. I think I don't know if the funds cut or what it was. Within that program, and then it stopped or moved to another building. But it was very good while it lasted. While it lasted.